Welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken. Episode number 284, recorded May 13th, 2018. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah, so today we're uh, boldly going where no one has gone before. And then, turning it around, and going where uh, no one we should have gone a, a long time ago. <laughs> where no one should have gone. Places, yeah. <laughs> so yes. we're doing bold... Boldly go 14 and 15, and then we're peppering in a uh, Star Trek Gold Key, which is issue number 27. Right. So we get to taste a whole bunch of different timelines and versions of Kirk. Oh, yeah. In the Boldly Go story, because it's the big infinite diversity and infinite combinations storyline. Right. And then even though the Gold Key Kirk doesn't make an appearance in the comic yet, we're going to throw one in anyways. (laughs) Yeah. Which is like a totally different version of, of Star Trek anyway. So yet another version. Exactly. That's why I think that the Boldly Go should have a cameo of the Shat Kirk and a cameo of the Gold Key Kirk. Yes. Who often looks nothing like Shatner. Not like a Charles Bronson type guy. Or some nineteen fifties square jawed Yeah, exactly. Heroed guy or something. Oh, whatever. Sometimes he looks like John Wayne, I think. Oh, eh, perhaps, perhaps. But anyways, but that's the one we're going to save for the end. We're going to do Boldly Go first. Okay. Is that all right? That sounds great to me. So we got any other housekeeping uh, to do, or should we just jump right into it? I don't think we have housekeeping, but uh, I will say that recently I saw Avengers Infinity War. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And very recently just saw uh, Black Panther. So. So you saw them out of order. I saw it out of order, right. What kind of comic book fan are you? Kyle? I don't know. So that one tribe where they're like, uh, what, they're associated somehow with gorillas or something. You know, the big guys in Black Panther. So saw them in Infinity War, you know, at Wakanda, you know, holding the line and everything. And I was like, sure. who are those guys? And they, Should uh, I know those guys? I don't know those guys. And then, of course, when I finally do see Black Panther, it's like, oh, that guy. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so you knew that he, he was going to be a good guy towards the end of Black Panther. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. I got you. But we're not here to talk about Black Panther or Marvel movies. We're here to talk about Star Trek. Yes, which unfortunately, movie-wise, I can't really say anything, or TV show. Yeah, we're in a we're in the dead zone right now, exactly. waiting for Discovery and Orville to come back. We're in the doldrums, waiting for the new seasons. I have heard some uh, interesting news about the Orville, so... Uh, at least they're filming it, and, and their spoilers have been coming through with people yeah. taking pictures of set footage and stuff yeah. like that. So, uh, looks like Brett Spiner's going to be on it, maybe. Cool, that'd be great. He posted something on on Twitter that was like, that would "I be sure so cool. like Seth MacFarlane." Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> sure, like working with him. Wink, wink. <laughs> so, so anyways. they got they have two new regular cast members, I know, or two new actors. On the series, I hear. So I only heard of the one. So who's the other one? A lady and a guy. Oh, okay. 
So. Is one going to be like the replacement for um, the guy that went off the, to engineering? A permanent replacement for where maybe. his spot on the bridge? Maybe. Yeah. Could be. They need a Wesley Crusher. They need to bring in a little kid. No. That everybody can rally behind and love. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I, I thought, okay, so Wesley was kind of whiny, but... As a kid, I was a kid when that came on. I liked him. I could relate sure, to him. Yeah. And there were a lot of episodes he was fine. It's just sure. a few he was a little whiny. Well, and sometimes he was smarter than Data, which that bothers me. I'm like, uh, you shouldn't be able to be smarter than Data. He <laughs> is the smartest of the smarts. Exactly. You haven't got any uh, Spock around, usually. So, uh, right. Maybe. All right. So, shall we go on to the comic? Let's do it. All right, so issue number 14 came out by November of 2017 by IDW Comics. The uh, writer was Mike Johnson, art by Megan Levins, colors by Marissa Louise and Tyrion Farrell, letters by Ann World Design, production design by Neil Utaki, edits by Sarah Gatos, editorial assists by Chase Marotz, and publisher Ted Adams. So as with all IDW, they love the covers, and we got plenty here. Well, the first cover of issue number 14 is by Tony Shastine, and it shows Jane Kirk at the forefront. And then uh, behind her, we see the female Spock, and behind her other side, we see what I'm assuming is female McCoy. She's, she's also wearing a blue shirt. The B cover is the normal... Chris Pine versions of uh, Kirk, Sulu, McCoy, Spock, and Hora. And then the photo cover is a picture of McCoy from Star Trek Beyond. And then there is an R.I.B. cover, which is by Megan Levins. And it's kind of a pop art type picture. It shows a, kind of a cartoony version of Spock and Hora kind of holding hands while also looks like they're leaping away from something with a uh, Saturn picture behind them. Just to go back, the B cover, the one that showed the, the, the normal crew of the Enterprise, that cover was by Pieter Kolaski. The story starts with kind of a flashback as Captain Jane Kirk recalls her upbringing without her mother and how she is now captain of the Enterprise. Women can truly do anything. That's actually in there. She then recalls that she's in the middle of a fleet of other Enterprises from several different alternate dimensions who are all crowded together due to some anomaly that all the Kirks were drawn to. She's then contacted by our Captain James Tiberius Kirk of the USS Endeavor. The two exchanged pleasantries since they had met each other several months ago which was way back in issues number 29 and 30 of the original Star Trek ongoing series. So we then get a multiple flash of what's going on with two other Kirks that are also in this maelstrom of Enterprises. So we see Kirk the Orphan, who is aboard a Klingon ship, attacking the Enterprise, captained by Christopher Pike, in order to get revenge on the half-Vulcan Grayson. And then there's another Enterprise. Uh, this is captained by JTK-1701, who seems to be a liquid metal android-type character who's kind of just a torso that's morphing into a chair 
and he's getting advice from his other android chair crew members. So everybody is just looks like a robot, kind of like the Terminator 2 liquid guy, but uh, they're kind of like torsos that then morph into what looks like a normal chair. Suddenly, all the Kirks on all the Enterprises and the one Endeavor are all hit with this energy wave. So then we flash to a planet where Captain Jane Kirk wakes up along with our McCoy and an android Uhura. And they're on a red desert planet. A small Vulcan craft arrives and Spock emerges. McCoy assumes that that's his Spock, but finds out that it is not. This Spock says that they are on Vulcan, and that it was Earth that was destroyed several years ago by Nero's attack. Meanwhile, our version of Kirk wakes up on a jungle planet with Android Sulu and Grayson. Grayson mistakes our Kirk for being his nemesis, the Orphan. He threatens to kill the captain when he is suddenly stunned by the female Chekhov. Kirk, Sulu, and Chekhov start to travel towards a nearby city. Unbeknownst to them, they are being monitored by an unknown person. The leader of the city is intrigued about what is happening, seeing a non-augmented humans escaped from their pen along with some unknown android. She demands that her subjects bring them to her so that they can all kneel before Khan. The end. Or to be continued. Khan? Huh? Yeah, female Khan with tigers and everything. Cool. Yeah, when I first saw that, it was like, okay, so is it really like a female Khan? You know, kind of like the female Kirk, uh, right. Jane and stuff? Or is it an, an ancestor? Because, of course, that would have been further forward in time. Or no, it wouldn't well, have been further forward. It depends on when she Jane. got – it depends if she was uh, – yeah, was she thought out recently, like like our exactly, con? or and, was it the original timeline? Anyway, we find out exactly. in the next issue. Yeah, right here we're not supposed to know yet. Right. So I was I was just wondering. I, I wasn't sure, but I thought that was really cool. Right. So, but I did like that she looked Middle Eastern. That she wasn't, uh, you know, a white guy or a Spanish guy. You're right. Trying right. to pretend to be uh, some chic, you know, like a Montalban <laughs> and um, uh, right uh, cover batch. Cumberbatch. Cumby. I was going to call him Bumberbatch, but I was like, boy, I don't think that's right. I really don't think that's right. I really don't You're think right. that's right. You're right. It isn't right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, I like that the nationality actually matches with what Khan should probably actually look like. Right. So that was a good shocker. That was a good grabber. It's like, uh, why not? If you got female versions of everybody, why not Khan? Exactly. So... It's the android ones that I have a problem with. Well, aren't they interesting? And until your synopsis, where you are describing those shiny androids as T2s or T3s, well, whatever, the, right. uh, the Patrick, whatever his last name is. It was the T2000. T2000, okay, 2000. Those, I, did, I didn't even think about that. Because I was looking at it going, boy, that is a shiny android. I'm not sure what they're going for. It's more shiny. It's not a Borg. I mean, it right. doesn't have tubes coming out everywhere. It looks very slick. It looks very cool. I mean, are they trying to make it look like, uh, actually, is it this comic or the next one? Uh, oh, there's this one, the next one. They've got one where they look like Cybermen from, I think it's probably the next one. Right, I think it's the next one. Yeah, okay, I'll hold that comment back. 
But I really was not getting where it's from. Because uh, it right. didn't seem to be anything that I've seen in the Star Trek universe before. So they were being uh, really um, creative. Right. Well, what got me was that here they look like they're like the T-2000. They're liquid. Yeah, I agree. Their arms are like melting into the consoles. Their their bodies are actually turned into the chairs. They really yes. reminded me of uh, DC Comics Metal Men, which were oh, wow, that's are kind of like that. Right. Wow. But, I but saw that when I was a kid. I read that one. Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah, they're old. Yeah, <laughs> but they yeah. look like that. They Thanks. were all liquid metal type uh, characters yeah. that that could do this kind of stuff, morph into chairs and stuff. Because right. you know that, that's what that's what you would do if you were a, a liquid metal robot. <laughs> but uh, but then when they're on the planet, they don't look like this shiny liquid stuff. So I actually, for a little bit, I thought, oh, that it's two different robot Kirks. There's this one that are all liquid metal, and then there's this one on the planet, but uh-huh. they they refer to themselves as the same thing, you know, with their initials and yeah. dash 1701. So I'm thinking it is the same ones. I think they are too. Although but, that, uh, that solo cup on the top of Uhura's head yeah, what's up with really that? ruined it for me. <laughs> it I was expecting like it to be like red. Oh, I, It looked like one of those big, like red Usually yeah, like red. A, uh, like a fez. Uh, yeah, exactly. So it reminds me of one of those uh, solo cups that you used right. to put, you know, put beer in when you went to parties sure, and sure, stuff. Sure. But oh, it's what's right funny is head. that on that first panel, the first time you see it where they're morphed into the chairs, right? that little bun thing is completely red. But then on the planet, you see that it's uh, kind of striped red. Right. Um, it's mostly the silver like she is. Right. So I don't know if it's a coloring mistake or when her lower half is a chair, her bun is completely red. I don't know, but uh, but I'm with you. It was it was odd. Yeah. And she's the only one that has it. All the other ones don't have hair extension type things coming out of their head. <laughs> but but her has her hair up like that too, but without sure. the Dixie cup look. But yeah, right. Yeah, well, that's what they're going for. Yeah. yeah. So how'd you like the artwork in general? I liked it a lot. Yeah, I thought it was okay. Although, looking at the orphan in this issue, mm-hmm. I liked how they did him in that previous issue much better. Right. I thought he looked really good, especially when you first saw Kirk as the or- orphan. He looked great. Where this one still looks good, but just not quite the same. Plus, he's got his, uh, you know, kind of tan shirt and pants on. He, he almost looks like a Federation uniform, almost. I thought you were going to say Archie, because you always refer to people as Archie. No, no. <laughs> but he's got the red hair. He's he he looks like he's red-haired, and he looks like it's like a buzz cut type thing. So he kind of looks like Archie here for me. <laughs> <laughs> Which okay. is why I assumed you were going to go there. No. So this is a little towards the Archie thing. I'll agree. I mean, especially certain panels. Some are definitely Archie-ish. But this is not as Archie-ish as some of the other ones I've seen in other <laughs> issues we've reviewed. Right. Okay. Right. So as far as the artwork goes, I did spend a lot of time on the two-page spread uh, mm-hmm. of all the other Enterprises and stuff because uh, I really wanted to see, like, you know, the Kirk's the, – like the Shatner's Enterprise or some sort of callback to one of the older versions. But for the most part, they all seem to be the Kelvin Enterprise. A few of them have, like, you know, one's painted black and one has yeah. Romulan – logo on the top yeah what's that about um, so that's supposed but, to be ro- taken over by the romulans or something i guess so hmm. 
And then there's another one that looks like it has like you know some armor plating or something like that, and another one that's like red brute looking thing. Exactly, like almost so, like muscle. Muscle, or I was I was thinking plant. Yeah. So is that where Plant Kirk comes from? Is that his ship? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what a Plant Kirk is right now, but maybe. Oh, they didn't show him in this one. Okay, nah. we'll see him in the next one. <laughs> okay. There is one that has like some balls hanging out from the bottom of the ship, which is kind of weird. Ah, <laughs> uh, I'll have to find that one. I don't think I saw that one. I so are you are you saying it's oh te- you know what it's another it's another ship it's another it's another oh ship that's right that tan it. one yeah in the background <laughs> I thought it was like some sort of like panel uh, like I didn't know what it was I thought it was hanging off the ship never oh, mind oh balls it wasn't something <laughs> different oh well sorry I, I was thinking like some sort of like uh, you know like grabbing arm or something I don't know what right. it was but but yeah it's just a completely never okay. ship okay. Anyways, I just wish there was a uh, you know an original Constitution class ship in there somewhere. A I think so too. I mean, they're all different dimensions, right? I mean, this is just another dimension. Taz is a perfectly valid dimension. Why sure. not? Right. Um, I, I did notice one appeared to have solar sails on it. The little fins. It, if you could call them fins, I yeah. call, I call them a little kind of like sails. Maybe okay. maybe they're solar sails, which I have no idea why you would need solar sails or fins if you've got warp drive, but okay. Um, well, you got to get the energons into the, the ram scoop, and that's probably what it's for. Oh, energons into the – there you I'm go. making stuff up, dude. So Bassard <laughs> collectors are not good enough for you, eh? Yeah. I, I was thinking that was more like a steampunk type thing, uh, but, but solar sails actually oh. makes more sense. Oh well, I was I no, I, th- I was thinking wind sails. Oh, okay. Or solar. Well, when I say solar sails, it's because it takes the solar wind, and that's what propels it. Uh, as opposed to solar cells. Uh, but you probably weren't thinking about that. So there's a big old black one that kind of looks a little bit like uh, the vengeance. The vengeance. Right. I do find it funny that out of all the dimensions, that Arkirk is the only one that has lost the Enterprise. Well, you don't know that. Well, I don't see any other endeavors out here. Well, depending on how they draw the endeavor, it doesn't look that much different from the. <laughs> good point. It depends on the issue. Ah, good point. Yeah, good mm. point. Mm. So, anyways, but yeah, interesting. Uh, I like how they. Uh, I was kind of worried about how they would do this story, but having just something grab one person off of each ship and randomly place them on different planets and different uh, timelines. Right. I actually kind of liked I thought that was actually pretty good. Well, it was a nice mixing and matching. And obviously, that is not nature. Some agent of chaos has done this. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it, but when they start uh, hinting at who it is, I was so excited. Oh, I was not expecting that at all. Well, let's let's talk about that in the next issue. (laughs) Weird enough that you've got all these ships, because we've seen this before in, in TNG, but the idea that crew members are being plucked off and put into these different situations. Yeah, that's different, and that's not random. That's not a natural phenomenon. Right. So, uh, fascinating, as they say. Yep. I liked it. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Again, a good setup. Kind of like the uh, covers. So the covers were pretty good? I like them. 
But I especially like the one where they have Jane Kirk and then Spock and, and McCoy, mm-hmm. female McCoy. I especially like how female McCoy has a smirk on her face. And she kind of looks like uh, Gates McFadden to me. Oh. I don't, I don't know if it's just the hair or what. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. But she's definitely got that, you know, that smirk on her face. Right. Which I think ur- is more of an urban thing than a, than a DeForest Kelly thing. Sure. But w- the other one, the one that has the, the regular crew on it, I-, I thought it was weird that McCoy's sitting in the captain's chair and Kirk's standing behind him. <laughs> so are they... Okay, yeah. Okay. That is kind of odd. Right. Are they hinting at a dimension where uh, McCoy is the captain? That he's would be still, weird. He's still wearing blue. Okay, okay. Yeah, and then that R.I.B. cover, the one that looks kind of cartoony, that that was just kind of weird, right? The one with, um, it looked like cutouts almost. Oh, yeah. Of, of Spock and Ahura holding hands and jumping. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes they get really creative with these covers. Sometimes a little too creative. I, I think I messed up on the cover. That was actually by Yoshi Yoshanan. Uh, oh boy, I'm going to mix that up. Yoshi Yoshintini. I think I said uh, Megan Levins. Oh. So, anyways, sorry. Well, Yoshi. she or he does one of the next issue, too. Okay. Which looks different. So it's interesting when they're throwing some of these artists and saying, hey, we need a cover. Could you do a few of these? Okay, great. Right. You know, people you've never seen before, or at least I've never seen before. Sure. Yeah, no, I like it. Yeah. Issue number 16 actually has a uh, Funko Pop. Oh, those uh, things? Cover. Yeah. Looks like, uh, looks like one of those little toys. Right. I think they've had those before. Or maybe I – well, whatever. Yeah. Did you like those things? Because I see those on people's desks all the time. Yeah. No, I And have it's a like, uh, okay. You know. I, I do think it's cool that they have the, the, all the franchises that yes. they do. So yeah. you can get like a Save by the Bell and an Owl. Oh my and god! A, all these, all these <laughs> old shows that would never get an action figure or any type of, uh, you oh, know, uh, figurine type thing. So if you were a big fan of those, this is your one way of getting it. But then it also has all the newer franchises, and you can get a million different Supermans or right or or Kirks or yeah, Firefly the, people. So Firefly people, they got yeah. the Avengers, they got the all kinds of different ones. They got everything. I don't I don't know of a franchise they don't do. The ones I have are actually the alien ones. So I got like the alien, the alien queen, the alien um, Prometheus, or the uh, the the little white guy from the last movie. Uh, what is it called? Oh, the engineers. No, the ah shoot, I forgot what they're called. Um, they're basically the the white aliens that come out of people's backs and mouths and stuff. Uh, I forgot what they called. Oh, Neo, Neo something. Oh, okay. Did you not see the not, last one? Not facehuggers? No, nah, facehuggers are different. Okay. Yeah, I saw the last one. I kind of liked it. Yeah, I liked it. I, 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 I kind of liked the, um, the data lore thing that was going on there. Yeah. Ah, good point. I hadn't even thought of the data, that being data lore. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. David Brother. and uh, what's the other? Walter? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was something like that. Something, some unexpected name. Innocuous name. Yeah. It turns out to be incredibly evil. Not not to go off, but 
I did not like that they named the new android Walter because in Alien, the android was Ash. In Aliens, the android was Bishop. In Alien Resurrection, the android was Call. So ABC. And then Prometheus, the android was David, D. Mm. So I, if there was going to be a new android, it should have been named E to keep in line with the, the theme. But no, they jumped to Walter. Well, maybe the theme was they'd have a different letter in every movie. Yeah, but why not do a C or a E? Why not name him Edward? <laughs> that would have been perfect. Call him Eddie. Stupid Ridley Scott. <laughs> <laughs> you put those patterns out there and you break them. Right. Anyways. Are we ready? Anyways, anything else with 14? Nah. Nothing else. Uh, no, I, I, I just, again, I like the... Uh, I like the Grayson thing that he has this beef against this Kirk. Oh yeah, um, or any Kirk. Yeah, uh, and uh, I liked I li- I I liked the uh, how they pulled four people from different timelines and all stuck them together. Right. I was digging it. I was like, I I could get behind this story now because I was really concerned that it would just be a whole bunch of shippy shippy talky talky. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is this is good stuff. I like it. Good. Me too. All right, now I'm ready to go. Okay. So, next one, issue number 15, Idic Part 3 of 6, I think I got that right, December 2017, I think everybody's the same, so I'm not going to say it again. Art, oh, actually, it's different. Art is by Tana Ford this time, and you definitely get a, a very different art style with this one from the previous one. Definitely not Archie look. Okay, so they got four covers. Cover A features a robotic version of Spock, Kirk, and Uhura, and they kind of look uh, like Cybermen to me, covered by Tony Shastin. Cover B is a black and white cover that features McCoy, Kirk, Spock, and Uhura with an unlikely celestial background chocked full of planets. A 1950s-style logo in the lower right tells the reader, beaming into an all-new adventure. And that is overlaid on a ring planet kind of logo. Uh, and the cover is by Angel Hernandez. The first retailer incentive cover is a photo from Star Trek Beyond of Sulu manning the helm with his shoulder-style seatbelts on. The second retailer incentive variant cover features a cartoony drawing of Sulu punching it at the helm with a stylized ringed planet in the background and that has the Enterprise in orbit. And it does look like the Enterprise, but... Who knows? That cover, again, is by Yoshi Yoshintani. Yoshintani. I'll go with that. We find out the origins of Plant Kirk that was raised by his mother and told of his heroic father. He tells of excelling academically at Starfleet and being promoted to the captain node of the Starship Enterprise. He tells of coming to a strange place in space where there are many alternate versions of the Enterprise, all in one location. He is whisked off the bridge and transported to a planet surface where he meets alternate reality versions of himself that are somehow not botanical like himself. One is a mammal and a male version of Lieutenant Uhura. Elsewhere are Kirk, a female Chekhov, Robot Sulu, and a bob-eared version of Spock named Grayson are brought forward in Queen Khan's throne room. 
The chit-chat that ensues confirms she is a descendant of Khan from a reality where normal humans did not defeat Khan and his augmented followers. Normal humans are slaves here. Elsewhere, an android Ahura and a humanoid version of Ahura, but not our Ahura, find themselves on a version of Vulcan with our McCoy, or at least it seems like our McCoy, and the female Captain Kirk. To compare and contrast their realities, they are all quite different. Elsewhere, Plant Kirk and his companions, that recently includes a totally gaseous version of Scotty, realize they are on the planet Ryza. Some of them decide to avail themselves of the amenities. Meanwhile, in Queen Khan's court, she forces Kirk and Grayson slash Spock to fight. Holding a grudge, Spock kicks the crap out of Kirk until Kirk is able to apply the Vulcan neck pinch on the unsuspecting half-Vulcan that avoided learning all things related to the Vulcans, including, apparently, their martial arts. After winning the fight, Kirk is banished to a dungeon and put in chains. Looking oddly untouched by the violent beating he took at the hands of Grayson, Kirk hears a voice coming from thin air calling his name. He asks who is there and where they are. In response, the voice playfully says, It is here, there, and everywhere. From the response, Kirk assumes it's Q and says so, asking Q if this is one of his games. The voice says, The Q continuum is but a candle, while we are the sun. The voice says, This is not a game. Cut to Ryza, where plant Captain Kirk is walking and speaking to female Captain Spock, with Gasbag Scotty floating nearby. They are trying to figure out how to escape when that strange disembodied voice speaks to Kirk. It warms him, not every threat looks dangerous, as a female plant begins to entwine Kirk with apparent promises of sexual delight. The voice tells him only Plant Kirk can hear the voice. Cut to some version of Vulcan, where female Captain Kirk, R. McCoy, Robot Uhura, and a humanoid version of Uhura lose their balance as the ground shakes. Female Kirk says she hears a strange voice coming from thin air. They look up to see the Narada flanked by many Romulan ships, whose looks make it obvious they have been modified to incorporate Borg tech similar to the Narada, but probably not as powerful. On the Narada bridge, Valas tells her husband Nero he is brilliant as he is deadly. The hair-topped Nero, back in black, warns her not to celebrate yet. But they will soon. To be continued. You know, it's funny, until you said the hair topped, I didn't even catch that. Uh, I didn't remember that Nero was bald in the first movie. <laughs> right, right. So he's got, he's got a full head of hair here. Right. Yeah, it's the normal Klingon, or the normal Vulcan, the Vulcan cut, you know, right. with the bangs. <laughs> <laughs> the Mo Howard cut. Bold cut. Right. Yeah, yeah and, they, and they threw Valus there. I love that. That was cool to see yeah. Valus there. Yeah, so that was cool. Infinite Possibilities. Let's bring Nero in. That's great. Yep. And, no, I liked it. I liked and, it a lot. And, and they didn't make him a female. So at least they resisted that. Right. But I wonder which version of 
Nero this is. I'm assuming it's the one that did destroy Earth and uh, retreated back. Because they said that instead of destroying him like they did in our universe, he just retreated back to Romulus. Right. Once he had his revenge. Right. So I think that in in that storyline, uh, Nero, Spock, and Uhur are all from the same timeline. Right. Very yeah. possible. Very possible. So have you read ahead? Do you know who the, the mystery voice is? Because I haven't. I have not read ahead. Okay. So do you think it's Q? No, it says it isn't. And, but yeah, but he lies. Well, he lies, but he doesn't normally poo-poo the Q continuum. I mean, this guy, whatever this voice is, it's saying, you know, the Q continuum. <laughs> the Q continuum? What a bunch of wimps. <laughs> I mean, from the words, he's making it sound like the Q continuum is nothing. Uh, and the Q continuum and everything we've seen seems pretty much, you know, limitless power. Right. So who do you think it is? Uh, uh, oh, oh, you're going to – oh, well, I guess I should have prepared for this. Um, no, I'm, uh, just, I'm just curious if you had any thoughts. Well, I mean, uh, who else could it be? I mean, could it be Gary Mitchell? That that survived. I don't know. Um, what oh, else? What else has a lot of power? Um, I was thinking that maybe it was Trelane. That in this version of uh, in this ver- in this timeline, Trelane is more powerful than Q versus in the other movie or the original show where he was less powerful than Q because okay. he had used machines and stuff. Yeah. Okay. So in this one, you're saying Trelane is not part of the Q continuum, which he has been in some extended some, universe things, right. some comic books. But so he's something else, not a Q, but he has you know similar powers, but he's even more powerful. That could be, could be, right? And it could be, it could be Trelane, you know, boasting that he's more powerful than Q, when in oh, reality he's not. He you know, he, right? He has been known to lie again. Can't always trust him. No. Well, not Trelane. Definitely not. So, yeah. No, I was just curious if you if you had any thoughts on who it might be. Who, who else could it possibly be? Um, the Guardians of Forever, like uh, in the original, not the Archway. The, the Crystalline people? Yeah, well, the Crystalline people from the original script. Or it could uh, be the Organians. Ooh, Organians. Ooh, there you go. Now, that's could- interesting. Could just be the Greek gods. It could be Apollo. Ah! <laughs> no, not Apollo. Please, not Apollo. <laughs> huh. Anyways, I was when he said Q, I was like, "Oh my god, that's amazing!" <laughs> You're gonna have Q, and he's gonna be a female. Ah. Well, Q Q has been a female. Uh, in what? What in was Star that? Trek. In? What, 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 was this, it was a next-gen no, episode? Lady Q, yeah. Oh, but that wasn't. No, that was Voyager. Okay, but that wasn't, okay, but a, a late, a Lady Q, but that was not, you know, our John Delancey Q, right? No. Okay, okay. It was, but it was Q. It was a female. They're all, they're all the same. I know, I know, I know, supposedly. But Car- uh, Corbin Burnson or whatever, I mean, they, oh, yeah, the, he, those I two seem to... quite separate. Right. Yeah. So, anyways, I I kind of dug uh, Plant Kirk in this one too. Yeah, yeah. He he seems to be the hero in that uh, particular uh, side story. 
you know, or uh, parallel threads. Sure. Yeah. Uh, gas Scotty I could have done without. That was just weird. That was weird. <laughs> so Scott, it was a joke, but so Scotty's going to go off and find a gaseous uh, <laughs> femme fatale on, right. on Ryza. Ryza, yeah. I, I'm sure that's possible. Anything <laughs> is in, this, in these issues. Yep. Infinite combinations. Hey, how would they even do that? I mean, just commingle their gaseous molecules? I mean... Yeah, of course. Ken, you don't talk about that stuff in public. <laughs> Very this is a family-friendly yeah. show. We don't talk about commingling gas particles. Oh, okay. Okay, I'll stop. Oh, I'm going to get that X rating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fight between Kirk and Grayson, I kind of wish they would have had the, uh, the, the Vulcan weapon-looking thing. What's it called? Alorpa or something? Oh. <laughs> From a muck time? Alorpa, yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. That would have been kind of cool. Yeah, I think... Uh, okay, so... Uh, no, okay, so no Lorpa, but... Um, I think that fight was pretty good. I mean, a lot of the artist work here, I'm not crazy about. At all. I'm just not crazy about the style. But there was really good violence in that fight. Uh, even though Kirk came away wave with almost no scratches at all. But during the fight... He is getting walloped on. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's one panel where he shows him getting smashed in the face, and he has blood just streaming down his nose. And then right. the next shot, he's getting punched in the gut, and there's no blood no at all. No blood. Unless and then he, that... never, he never has blood again throughout the fight. Right. Unless that's the blood, like, flying off of his face. Right. Un- uh, above the right, wham. right above the wham. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So Spock hit him so hard, the blood flew off his face, and it... Completely stopped it from face. bleeding. There you go. And he was completely clean again. That's right. pr- it's pretty hard. Right. You whack so hard you become clean. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. And uh, and then when that when that left punch of uh, Spock just gets Kirk right in the eye socket, I'm right. sorry. That's gonna at least have it black eye. Yeah, he's not getting up. No. And then he does the nerve pinch. Ah, oh, that killed me. I hate that. I hate... I think we've said this before. <laughs> I think I've said my, my, my say on that. Right. Only people really strong can make that work. That's what I say. Or be in touch telepaths. Depends on, on what you think actually... Oh, what actually happens? Right. Well, it's a nerve pinch. Hello. Right. But if you're a touch telepath, you, you send a little jolt through that nerve and zaps you. Mm. that's the way I always took it because I read some sort of expanded universe. It might've been like the DC comic um, that came out before next generation, but then in next generation data could do it. So it was just like, well, that, that doesn't make sense anymore. Right. So, uh, but the idea that it was, it would be a feat of both strength and technique. I think that would be a good thing. Right. But the idea that uh, a mere human can do that, it's like, I mean, if that's true, if a mere human can do that, why why don't they train every red shirt to do that? Exactly. And then you'd lose fewer of them. I mean, at least one one or two nope, would not Nobody die. would get captured ever, you know. Well, you get captured on your way to the cell, nerve pinch. You're exactly. Out. You're out. You're out. But if you get one of those round uh, spinny things in the chest, well, I guess the nerve pinches are going to help you there. But so many other places. Right. There you go. 
so, so yeah, I, as far as the artwork goes, I I liked it. It's different. It's very different. But you're right. It's also it goes from being like really detailed to you know cartoony, uh, simplistic. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of jarring when you do you know jump from one to the other. But uh, but you know, I don't know. I like it. It's different. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, especially Spock, especially uh, like like in those things where he's coming down um, out of the the spaceship on Vulcan you know, mm-hmm. with, the, with the red and black robes and stuff. And there are some panels there where his face looks totally, uh, you know, like a twelfth grader drew it. Ah, man, you're so so mean, Ken. Sorry, sorry. But yet there's other ones where, and and I get it. I mean, sometimes they spend more time on certain panels that they think are more important. Than others, and there's only so much time they have to spend on these. I bet, but some panels look really good, and some others just not so much. Right, yeah, it's just a style choice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, uh, can we talk about Riza real quick? Sure. Let's talk about Riza. We see we see a Ferengi. Uh yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, but and what then, would you do with a Ferengi? I mean, what it, it, may or may not be Luxana Troy. Oh, Sitting really? on the lap of a devil guy. Oh! <laughs> sitting on the lap of a devil guy. Let's take yeah. a look at that. I missed that one. Yeah, it's the picture where Captain Spock is like, we're on the planet Ryza. And then you see like this like swampy looking area with a bunch of people. Oh, right, 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 right. Well, that could be Lexana Troy. It could be a lot of other people, too. Sure, sure, sure. But I just thought it was like, well, that really looks like her. (laughs) And then that blue guy in the back kind of looks like that character from the McDonald's commercials. Like Grimace? Grimace, that's it. Grimace, yeah. It's a little bit like Grimace. But you can, like, see through his body, though. I think. I don't oh, know. is that what that's supposed, supposed to be? Organs? I don't know. Oh, he's supposed to be a blue translucent thing where you can like, see things inside him? That's what I was thinking. Oh, okay. Well, it looks like Grimace except for that. <laughs> Anyways, it's a very odd odd creatures there. Oh. oh, and But they, it is rising. Yeah, and they even got the statue there. Oh, the, yeah. The goldy looking statue yeah, thing? With the, hat, with the weird hat. Right, right. <laughs> with the weird hat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. And look at all those olives on that drink. Boy, that Riza. They know yeah, how to they, do it. They overindulge on everything. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was funny that the little gas Scotty just like, we're on Riza. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, let's talk about that. So gas Scotty, he floats around in kind of like an egg-shaped thing. So right. that is some kind of, like, device right right so his yeah, gases are right and that's a container that has locomotion so he's able yeah. to to tool around in that little thing it's got some kind of uh anti-grav thing exactly yeah. something like that okay i can see that so why was kurt plant spock putting the moves on captain spock before oh, did you notice that too i yeah, noticed that it's kind of ooky yeah he's like oh we're on Ryzek. Yeah, and he's got his plant hands and fingers like like rubbing her shoulders or something. Yeah, she's not having it, though. Well, the look at her face is not very receptive. Yep. But yeah, I guess she doesn't actually say anything. I thought she said something, but uh, no, she doesn't. (laughs) 
He's the one that's... Don't worry. We'll find our way back. Exactly. Back to uh, my bed. Oh, my God. Would that be weird? Talk about... Oh, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, but then he finds uh, some, some other plant creature that, uh, that wants to give him some lovings. Yeah. yeah. You got to watch yourself, though, because that cure, whoever, is warning them. Yep. There yep, could be yep. danger here. And quite frankly, out of all the options, let's see. Female con, harem-imbued Nero, or you're on Ryza. I'll take Ryza. <laughs> yeah, Plant Kirk definitely has the better storyline going on right now. Well, it may be less interesting in the end, but yeah, for him personally, I think, that's, I think he pulled the best draw. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, but... You know, some weed killer, and he's out pretty quick, so True. he has to be, be extra careful. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I don't really have that much more to say about this one, do you? I have nothing more to say about it. I, I will say that the android Ahura now doesn't have the cone. The she now has a, a long ponytail, and she looks more robotic than the liquid crystal, well, the she, liquid one she did earlier. Is that this, okay, so that's a different uh, a robot then, maybe. No, it's the same robot. I think oh, They just okay. drew her different. Oh, well, different artists. Yeah, but I mean, but they didn't. Instead of just giving her the little cone, she now has a ponytail, and she looks... I mean, her arms and stuff look like C-3PO's arms instead of being all one smooth piece of metal like uh, like in the previous issue. Yeah, yeah. And but definitely yeah, the different it's hair. It's definitely the same one. Unless, of course, because it's a liquid robot, it can change its shape a little bit. Sure, I guess that's kind like, of... Pop! It's like, it's like one of those little things that on 4th of July where you light it, <laughs> And then the little, oh, yeah. the little black, uh, like okay. like What's wormy kind that? of stuff Elephant comes out. Toothpaste, is that what they call it? Elephant toothpaste, really? No, that's something different. But it kind of <laughs> looks the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's some kind of charcoal thing or something when it comes right. out of there. Anyway, but it does kind of look like it just like popped out of the, the Dixie cup, the Solo yeah. cup. It's the it's oh. the it's the snake gag out of the the Pringles. There you go. The Pringles. Uh, Pringles. Pop, the pop. You know, whatever. You open up a thing of peanuts. Oh, gotcha, snake gotcha. Pops out. Okay, the trick the Pringles third. thing. Yeah, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Anything else? Nothing. Let's get to that ice journey, can we? Yeah. So we're changing gears here. Hard, a hard change of gears. Because I really like those first two issues uh-huh. that we did, and I really don't like this uh, gold key. I don't either. I mean, uh, okay. So gold key. Definite mixed bag, definite very different kind of thing, but some are definitely better than others. And this one isn't too good. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate. Yes. All right, well, let's get started. Uh, This is Star Trek number 27, published by Gold Key Comics. It is entitled Ice Journey, and it came out November of 1974, which is kind of odd that the first book we did was November of 2017. And then this one is uh, November 1974. Kind of weird. Anyways, uh, I did find some credits for this one. The uh, cover is painted by George Wilson. The writer is John David Warner. Artist by Alberto Gioletti. Inks by Aidan McWilliams. The cover shows some humans in what looks like scuba diving wetsuits, and they're being attacked by red devil-looking people. One of the humans is being kidnapped by one of the devils, and they're kind of being forced to jump into a hole of fire. 
this issue was released the month and year I was born. So it should be a great one because, you know, that was a good year. I did look it up. It cost 25 cents to buy this issue back in 1974, and it's a whopping $13 to buy a very good condition one today. So that's a good investment. You should have everybody should have just stocked up. So anyways, the story is pretty straightforward, but it's very confusing. So my synopsis is both short and long at the same time just because I'm trying to make it make sense in my own head. So the story is the Enterprise is arriving to a planet called Flow 1 to perform a population census. Uh, for some reason they can't do this in space, so Spock, Kirk and Dr. Crisp beam down. The crew cannot live on the planet because if they breathe the air, the vapor from their mouth or nostrils will freeze and kill them. That's what they say. So they wear these wetsuit-looking things, uh, and then they wear goggles. So leaving their chin and uh, mouth completely uncovered. So how this doesn't kill them when they just told me that it would baffles me. Anyways, they beam down, and we find out that their suits are equipped with some non-slip ice shoes, which they spend time talking about, so I'm going to tell you about it too. They start walking around when they are greeted by some locals. And these guys are red demon-looking creatures, and they say that they look like turtles, but I don't see it at all. I guess because they have these, like, shell-looking, uh, looks more like a pineapple-type covering over their bodies but i guess turtle shell sure why not so the leader invites them into a building that's close by some of the locals take off their shells and somehow this creates fire that they use to melt the hole in the ice that then forms into like a, a fun slide the creatures start sliding down it but then kirk kind of refuse and they get shot at and kidnapped meanwhile on the ship scotty and sulu are notified by an odd sounding kirk who says that Ahura needs to beam down as well. She agrees and heads off the bridge, leaving us, the reader, confused by why Sulu is talking into a hydro-spanner gadget that he's holding in his hand. Back on the planet, the Red Devils tell Kirk their backstory of their planet. It used to be a paradise, but now it's all cold and ruined, and planet is now ruled by the Red Devils. I'm going to call them devils because that's what they look like. While there's also a blue-skinned devils that uh, also live on the planet, but they're now forced to live in the fire pit down below. And if they ever leave the fire, they will die. This is a fate that Spock and Crisp soon learn as they too are being lowered down into the fire pits themselves. Once they are in the pit, Spock and Crisp learn that the blue guys are actually freezing to death. And that it's the fire that they live in that is keeping their blood from freezing solid. The Reds have an antidote, which they use on themselves. And they sometimes give it to the Blue Ones when they need to use a slave or something like that. But aside from that, they forced all the Blue Ones into this uh, fire pit. Spock and Crisp keep themselves from burning alive by taking a heat stabilizer pill. Yep, that's a thing. They all watch as a young girl dies in pain, and Crisp says she's seen enough and that she will help them get the antidote. Meanwhile upstairs, Kirk is dictating in a very slow, monotone voice his message that everything on this planet is great and dandy. The Red leaders think that he's stalling due to these lengthy pauses in his speech. Ahura assures him that there's nothing abnormal about that. That's just how the Shat talks. 
Suddenly, Spock and Crisp arrive holding a shield-looking thing that is somehow able to pull the antidote out of the Reds' bodies if they get too close to it. Spock and Crisp demand that the Reds release the Blues from the fire pit and give them the antidote. Eventually, the Blues are able to get to the antidote chamber, and a full civil war starts. Red versus Blue. Kirk orders the Starfleet crew to immediately beam up. Once the four of them are on the ship, they talk about how they left the planet in such bad condition, breaking every Federation rule about interfering. Kirk says, doesn't really matter. Whole planet's about to be destroyed because it's traveling too far away from the sun. They only have days to live. It seems that the red race only wanted to be known for having a great planet. That was what they wanted Kirk to leave this good report so that they could have a great legacy. So because of that, they were never asked for help, and Federation was not going to relocate them. So that being said, Kirk seems satisfied to let the Reds and Blues both die as they deserve, either from the planet's destruction in a few days, or due to the other race's hands in this bloody civil war. The end. Wah, 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 wah. Oh, now, wait, that's a what? Star Trek I've never read. Ah. Uh. What a charmless, poorly written story. The ending is so crazy. Yeah. It doesn't matter because they're all going to die anyways and they deserve it. What? Kirk would never say that. Yeah. No, he wouldn't. And the Blues don't deserve it. Maybe the Reds do, but the Blues sure don't. Well, even the Reds, their motives... I mean, I guess they did enslave the Blues, but uh, you know, they just wanted to be remembered fondly. Okay, I kind of get that. But yeah, you shouldn't have enslaved people, and is that really a reason to die? The, that they they don't want to ask for help because that might make them look weak? Yeah. I, I was confused. This, this whole story was like... You, you should at least give them the wow. chance to... At least the blue people. They have no say in what's going on here. At least give some of them the opportunity to leave on the ship. Right. Yep. But no, Kirk doesn't want to offer that. He just wants to instigate a civil war and then... Out. <laughs> See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This story had so many weird things. I, I was so confused. Yeah. The fact that they made such a big deal about the breathing. We cannot breathe on this planet because our breath yeah. will crystallize as soon as it exhales from our lungs and then kill us. Yeah. So you have to wear these uniforms. They put on the uniforms. Their mouth is completely exposed. Completely. Yeah. Explain that to me. Their cheeks, their jaw. I mean, there's all kinds of exposed flesh. Right. Yeah. Again, we mentioned this before we began the call. Or maybe we said at the beginning of the call. Anyway, they should just have helmets on. Matter of fact, why don't they just have spacesuits on? I kind of like the uniform, except for the scuba diving eyepiece. But the Uh, uniform itself looks kind of cool. Yeah, and... Most of it does look fine when it comes down to the mask. Right. Uh, that completely does not cover your mouth. Uh, it's ridiculous. And who knows? Maybe they just got through sketching out Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea because they were doing <laughs> issues of that too, uh, right. Gold Key. And they just wanted to, oh, yeah, let's just use the same design. It'll be easier that way. Just no, just use a spacesuit. Have, right. have a helmet. Cover your face. You know? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I would have even liked the, uh, you know, the, the cheesy-looking uniform that they had in, like, the Naked Time and things like that. Right. Yep. 
So there's one bit of crossover, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. Mm. Uh, the other bit of crossover that was happening here is with another TV show, which, again, Gold Key was doing comics for also. That microphone speaker thing that, that Scotty's Sulu, hold, or Sulu's holding? Sulu's holding. That looks exactly like a device, a prop, that they use in the Man From U.N.C.L.E. TV show once in a while. Oh, uh, Okay. Yeah, I had no idea what that thing was. Yeah. Uh, sonic screwdriver? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I've never seen them talk on a microphone ever in Star Trek. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure there was like a promo picture, uh, a common photo back in the day that you you might have seen where Kirk is holding something like that. Uh, okay. And I think that maybe may have been where they got that from. But they never used it in the show. I think it was just some some, some prop. Still. Yeah, some, some prop they used in some publicity shot, and then they saw it on a, some publicity photo, and so they reused it in here. Hey, look, this is something they used in Star Trek. No. <laughs> yeah, it's a microphone that the uh, helmsman uses for some reason, even though Scotty is the one in charge right now. That, exactly. That's what also I didn't understand. Yeah. He's talking to Scotty at first, and then suddenly Sulu grabs the mic and is like, I got it. <laughs> you want a horror down there? Okay. <laughs> oh, and by the way, why did Ohura have to go? Well, because she's the secretary. Oh, uh. exactly, exactly. So they, <laughs> so, so what did the red the red guy say? He said, "So when your stenographer gets here, stenographer, she's a right. stenographer." Well, uh, uh, I, I think Kirk was just stalling, and that's another thing. He was solely hoping that Spock would eventually show up and somehow save his bacon. His whole plan was, "I'm going to stall as long as I can." That was his plan. So he was like, let me call my – I need to – in order to make this, I have to call my stenographer from the ship. It might take a while. And then he, <laughs> when he's given the, the dictation, he's all slow and – you know, which is kind of funny because that's Shatner style Exactly. Now. You know, when but, I was reading it, I wasn't thinking of that. But when you were narrating it, completely. Yeah. <laughs> so again, I think it's unintentionally hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, but again – Kirk's whole plan was, I'm going to stall as long as I can until somebody else fixes this. Well, that or else he was just trying, because of the way he was speaking, trying to communicate without actually coming out and saying that something's wrong here. Right. Well, that would make sense to Sulu, but what, uh, yeah, I mean, when he's given the dictation. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, and what about earlier? They're not being contacted, but Scotty, Sulu, and O'Hur are always saying, oh, well... Hey, we haven't heard from them. They haven't checked in. Let's not jump to conclusions. Okay, we'll leave everything alone for a while. <laughs> That's it. Right. Uh, yeah. So far, so good. Let's not get nervous unless there's a reason to. If they want us, they'll call us. Yeah, unless they're being held prisoner. Right. Anyway. I Boy. Just, I just thought it didn't make much sense. But, hey, whatever. It's, it, you know. Speaking oh, of not making oh, sense, uh, can we talk about the fire pit real quick? Oh, sure. Let's go. Let's you can take a pill and yeah. not catch fire? Exactly. I've never seen this in yeah. Star Trek. Why don't they all use it? Yeah, and it was a handy thing that Doctor's name was Crisp. So, <laughs> so she didn't get burned like one? <laughs> well, anyway. So, uh, yeah, that was totally stupid. So, the, <laughs> so those people, you're in flames. I mean, Spock and Crisp are up in some kind of a, I don't know, a, a go-go dancer cage hung from the ceiling or something, and then somehow they get out of it, 
and then somehow there's a ramp that they slide down on into fire. The fire. It's like, oh my god, it's just whatever. It right. It just doesn't need, need to make sense. And it's funny that she had the pills and Spock didn't. So yeah. good thing she came along. Well, she's the doctor. Right. Well, let's talk about her real quick. When she was introduced at the beginning, I was super happy. Because Dr. Crisp, if you remember, because I know you do, Dr. Crisp was in uh, issue number 19 of the Gold Key, which is oh. the uh, the haunted asteroid. Oh. The theater of it. So I was really excited. I was like, oh, my God, they're bringing her back. You know, this Dr. Crisp character that I thought was just a, a one-off character right. from several months several months ago. Right. They didn't do much with her. My, my excitement for the issue waned pretty quickly as I kept reading, and, and <laughs> it just became so silly. But, uh, but there for a minute, I had high hopes that, you know, they were actually going to have some story development. No. Nope. She's just the replaceable female to be to have in the uh, in the story. Yeah, good thing she didn't die. Uh, I mean, I thought uh, there for a while. I thought, oh, well, they're putting her in there because uh, yeah. you know they want to kill somebody and they don't want to kill McCoy. Right. But uh, no, she makes it. Ahura makes it. Uh, everybody makes it. Yeah. Oh, another thing about Doctor Crisp, though. Yeah. She refers to burning at the stake back on Earth, like it happened light years ago. Oh yeah, light uh, years ago. Wait, well, wait, wait, Earth is light, light years away from there. Years ago? No, but she's talking about time. <laughs> I know, I know. Light years as a unit is a unit uh, of distance, not distance. a measure of time. Nope. It's like it's idiotic. It's idiotic writing. Sorry, uh, it's almost as bad as using parsec as a unit of time instead of a unit of distance. Ridiculous. <laughs> It's a unit of distance, but if you can make it, if you can get through those black holes with a shorter amount of distance, then uh-huh. it's more, it's more, uh, it's bragworthy. That's BS. That is retro, retcon BS. I don't buy that at all. In Solo, in a couple of weeks, we'll, we'll all have our answers. Okay. I, yeah, I bet they'll, I bet they'll probably say something about that. They should. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. It'll be the only good part of the movie. Oh, oh. Well, let's let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. It could be good. It could, you never know. It's directed by Opie. It's going to be good. Opie's also directed the Dark Tower. No, he did not. Yes, he did. He did the Dark Tower. Oh, I'm sorry. He was going to direct the Dark Tower, and they turned him down and made that one they made, which was not good. Right. So sorry, I misspoke. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I didn't think he directed that one. No. But he was going to. And then it was going to be good. Well, I hope so. I I, I like the uh, the series of books, but right. whatever. Um, another thing I thought was kind of annoying is they had a panel near the, near the front, which was totally dedicated to Sulu and Uhura saying, check and Roger. Yeah. For no apparent reason. They just yeah. had a random panel i guess meaning to show just normal life aboard a starship where right. they say check and roger right and then and then kirk in his spacesuit walks in after that so yeah no yeah. i had the exact same comment that makes no sense 
Because <laughs> it made me reread the panel before. I was like, oh, did was Kirk talking to them? Let me reread this panel. And I'm like, they're not talking to them at all. It's just suddenly cuts to them saying Jack and Roger. Oi. Talk, talk about the, the definition of filler. <laughs> uh, let's see. The creature's design I actually kind of thought was kind of cool with the heavy brow and the long ears. They kind of looked goblin-y. Yeah, um, goblin. There you go. And then um, I didn't like – I thought I was really thrown off when they were like, don't we look like turtles? Ha, ha, ha. No, you don't. Why do you think you look like turtles? Uh, and by the way, how would you even know what a turtle is? Right. He even calls it an earth turtle, to con- not to confuse it with oh, a, a flow one turtle. <sighs> okay, so they must really spend a lot of time researching things <laughs> on other planets that they'll never go to. Especially because so, according to Kirk, they know they're going to die in two days. Yeah. So, uh, so that's why another reason why you don't have to save them. Or you don't have to <sighs> save them. So I thought the uh, resolution of Spock walking in with this shield thing that had never been introduced until that panel was a little abrupt. Just all of a sudden I have a shield that absorbs your antidote so you'll freeze. Well, that was weird. Oh, yeah, well, and super convenient. A shield or a uh, device, a very sophisticated yeah, I device. A, I guess it has like a little uh, nozzle on it. On it. Yeah, so it looks like Captain America's shield with like a coffee can on the front, <laughs> with a little spigot that somehow sucks the antidote out of people. Exactly. But that's, I mean, that's not stunning them. You're you're killing them because they can't get to the fire pit fast enough. So as soon as you suck out the antidote, they freeze to death and die. Yeah. So that's pretty bold for Spock. Death by ice. Well, he was also ready to, uh, I don't think he did it, but uh, just totally destroy a planet's surface. Remember remember that gold key? Did he actually do that? Oh, that's right. That's right. That's the one where it's plants. Right. So it's it's because it's plants that you can go ahead and just kill off all life on a planet. Right. Because plants don't have feelings. Don't you can don't if you're plant a Spock. Kirk that. No. Plant Cook would – Kirk would not be happy about that at all. <laughs> okay. So there were some – there were plenty of panels where uh, Ahura was drawn pretty white. Yep. I, I thought that too, that yeah. she was a little too pale. Yeah. Uh, maybe devoid of uh, ne- negroid, uh, you know, uh, nose or, or other kinds of facial features. Anyway, um, oh, and how'd you like that hidden trap door? Convenient. In just the right place, and just big enough for all four of them. And it just dropped them right into the antidote room. So what was Which the is point? where they needed to be right. for the story to go further. Yeah. No, I kind of left that out of the synopsis because it was just too silly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, we want to go to the antidote room. And then they started electrocuting them, and so they can't move. And then he's like... Release her. Okay. Trap door. Antidote room. (laughs) Very handy. Very handy. All right. Yeah, I just, I was just shaking my head that they started this big riot and then beamed off and was just washed their hands of the whole thing. Yeah. Ah, had so many problems with that. Right. Yep. And then, of course, Scotty looks like some, some mook. (laughs) He looks like, he looks like one of those gremlins. Well, it's like those devil uh, guys with hair. Uh, maybe, maybe. 
Um, yeah. I, I, I think there's one there's one or two that he looks kind of like uh, Jimmy Doohan, but oh, most yeah, of just them that one. That's that one after right towards the end, right? That he looked like. But a, most of them, he looks like just some kind of big jawed, you know, gangster hitman or something. I don't know. Yeah, somebody from Dick Tracy comic. Maybe, maybe. Okay. And then it and then it ends on a on a, I thought it was kind of funny where um, Spock says that Earth people have a word that the Vulcan people don't, and that is hope. Oh my God! I was like, really? And of course they say it like it's oh my God that says everything. Really? This is so that's such a whole story. Such a wonderful thing to say. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but again, I really wanted to like this issue, you know, just because. It came out the same year I was born mm-hmm. and month. So mm. I was like, I'm going to have a connection to this one. This is going to be the best one ever. <laughs> Not. It wasn't. No. Ah, well. Shots hey. of the Enterprise looked good. I'll give them that. There you go. Anyways. Yeah. Anything it's... else? Gold keys, they're fine. They're unique. Uh, some talented people are behind them, I guess. Oh, absolutely. But. Uh. They're a product of their time, so. I'll be honest. I've enjoyed what well, this is issue twenty seven. Yes, I've enjoyed the twenty six before this. This this is the first one where I'm like, really, I can't. I don't really like any of it, and no. I think it's mostly the ending. You know, I could Out buy the the fire pill, the the spacesuit, the mm-hmm. non stick icy shoes. I'm okay with all that. It was just the ending. The well, they deserve to die, and they're going to die anyway. So it doesn't matter how bad I screwed up their their society right that's just not that's not star trek no not cool at all okay well there you go i got nothing else to say about this one although crisp coming back was a highlight i i liked the uh that she's in this universe and that uh she she, i don't think she pops back up again because i kind of looked it up but uh it was kind of cool that they at least brought her back twice maybe it's the same uh writer on both i'm sure so anyway so what about next week what are we doing Ken are we finishing off IDIC we have three issues left or do you want to drag it out (laughs) (laughs) now we should probably finish it off alright cool so that means that we will do issue boldly go 16, 17 and 18 which should be the last three issues of the IDIC miniseries Great. great I look forward to it yeah, Wonderful. I can't can't wait to find out who that voice was. Yes, that should be very interesting because they're definitely hinting that it's not somebody new. Yeah. I, th- I think they're hinting towards somebody we've already met uh, somewhere right. in the Star Trek universe. Which Kirk, this Kirk has not met Trelane, so it can't. It's probably not him. But you, you mentioned Gary Mitchell, mm-hmm. and that really could be it. Well, because he he was in the first issue of Ongoing and. They're obviously bringing back some of the story threads from ongoing, which surprised me right. with Jane Kirk and stuff like that. So, yeah. Oh, and even the, the Q thing was from, from ongoing. So we'll see. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Well, you figure how many creatures could end up being more powerful than the Q, or at least think they're more powerful than the Q. Ah, uh, um, I got it. What? God. Spock's brother found God, and that's who it is. Is that Cybok? Is that no? Yeah, Cybok found 
God. Ah. Did they ever call him anything other than God? I don't think so. Yeah, that, that stinks that he didn't actually get a name so that it doesn't sound blasphemous when I'm saying that's who it is. <laughs> <laughs> Blasphemer! Anyways, I, I kind of doubt that's who it is, but we'll see. There you go. Okay. All right, anything else? Nothing. All right, well, thank you for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. See you next time on The Review. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music, stories, and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at startcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes. Or friend us on Facebook at first name, stcomic, second name, book review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review. Let's get the hell out of here.